0: The following Truth Barista podcast is a High Beam Ministry production. Holiness, holiness, it's what I long
1: for. Holiness, it's what I need. So often I see so many people who struggle in this area and are convinced I cannot come back to God, I can't come back to Christ because I've done this this many times and often I'll bring them to David's psalm of confession. In verse 1, David says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love and i'll just sit there with people sometimes and and go over that again and again you have to believe that god is able to forgive but you have to believe that he's willing to forgive and we have to remember the basis of his forgiveness it is not our performance so when a brother or sister struggle in the area of sexual purity so often i see them trying to earn their way back into a right standing with god Whether it's, I gotta be more committed next time, or or my repentance needs to be more perfect. And I remind them, you have to understand the basis of God's mercy is his love. And the basis of God's love is not performance. Welcome
0: to the Airzads Coffee Shop. This is Jay, your truth barista, and I'm serving up a steamy cup of God's truth for the average Joe. You can catch me and this podcast on my websites, truthbarista.com, all one word, truthbarista.com, and highbeamministry.com. That's H-I-G-H-B-E-A-M ministry.com, as in car highbeam. We're shining the light of God's truth on the road ahead.
2: truth barista i'm telling you this curbside stuff is getting to me i'm, I'm running out there more often than not
0: this is yeah. nuts i know it's crazy with the Airzatz coffee shop kind of quiet because of the shutdown and the coffee sales are great so oh, they're they're fine problem we're running out of kolaches too by <laughs> I way. i will yeah okay we'll make some more hey come join me for the bible study I've got right. some interesting things here for you okay what are we going to talk about today well one verse stuck out of my head this week that i've really been kind of processing it's from psalm 119 verse 9 how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word. That's been a scripture that has been in my head since I was a junior in high school and came to the Lord, and the Bible started popping open to me. I have a solution to that, by the way. What's that? Lock them up until they're 40. (laughs) In a vat of ice-cold water. Yeah, Yeah, right. No, I want to talk about that today because I think there are some really cool things in here most of us as Christians don't get because we don't have the Jewish biblical. Hebraic background to it, we just think God doesn't want you to have any fun. Well, no, the problem is if we get into impurity and impure thinking and impure lives, it is no fun in the long run. Well, if your God sounds like that, he's a, He is <laughs> a no fun tr- God. <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to have any fun at all. Okay, well, grab your Bible and let's sit down. You got your coffee. I've got my fresh cup here, so let's go to it. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay, well, this is where we start, because God gave humanity the greatest, one of the greatest gifts in the world at creation. He actually told them a couple of things. He said, I want you to rule the world. I want you to reproduce, but stay away from the tree. So in other words, he says, I want you to reproduce and rule, but you only can do it my way. That's the summary of those first three commandments, okay? Well, the problem is, is they got corrupted by humanity's sins. Uh, Actually, John calls these the, the sins of the world, the three basic lusts of the world, which is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So, you can summarize them like this. The lust of the flesh is to enjoy, the lust of the eyes is to obtain, and the pride of life is to achieve. Now, faced with this whole reproductive drive, all of a sudden, they wanted to enjoy one's desire, one seeks to obtain, a mean, to achieve one's goal, pleasure. Now, you can do it God's way, and then everything's right. But if you do it your way, then life becomes a big mess. And you see it right after the fall. Now, you've read Genesis, correct? Yes, I have several times. Okay, you raised your hand for a second. What do you do Well, I was just
2: going to say, or I want to find out in clarity, are you only referring this to sexual temptation? Or can a person's pleasure be getting drunk or getting high on drugs or or watching pornography? Well, that's sex. I mean it's not
0: just sex, right? You're right. I use the sex drive because it is one of the most powerful drives, but you're right anything that is done in a way that's not the way God wants it to do can actually make somebody impure. Now, I see a very curious look on your face on why I mean that. So let me get back to the story, and then I'll tell you what I mean by that impure thing, okay? Okay. Okay. Right after the fall, just a couple of generations after that, you see a man named Lamech. Mm-hmm. Lamech. Anyway, Lamech has two wives. Now, the first thing that should pop out to us is, but God only had Adam and Eve. He didn't have Adam and Eve and Barbie, right, Mm -hmm. together. So you can see the corruption of that sex drive is already happening just a few generations down from Adam and Eve. Now... I've even heard in our day some people say, well, you know, there's polyamory today. If I love two women, then we can get married and we can hang out. Or if I'm a woman and want two men, we can do that. That's perfectly legal because the Bible says so, Christian, doesn't it? To which point I would respond, and I appeal to a higher authority because the Torah allowed divorce, but Jesus himself said, yeah, but that wasn't my father's intention. In fact, it was one man and one woman. And in that, he not only put down the divorce issue and trying to use God's word to justify divorce. He also eliminated the same sex and polygamy issues by reinforcing his father's original design.
2: Well, but it still doesn't answer the question is, why is the Torah compromising on
0: God's ideals? Ah, it's not compromising. Jesus said, because of your hard hearts and your inability to toe the line because of your hardened, fallen hearts. God has allowed this for a time. But when Jesus came, he says, no, this is the way it is. And the only way we can achieve God's best is if we have a renewed heart and a renewed mind, and a renewed will, and a renewed spirit, and all together, in one package, we have to be remade, born again. Then we have the desire and the ability to follow God's ways. So in a sense, the Torah was giving you guidelines saying, these are the boundaries we want you to stay in, but the ideal is actually tighter than that, but you're not able to handle it for now. That was Jesus' new covenant that created the means to stay within the tighter boundaries of what God really wants his people to do. Does that make sense to you? Well, it does. You've explained it very well. I'm just not
2: sure we have convinced our audience on it quite yet, but we might by the end of the podcast. <laughs> yeah,
0: kind of hope so. So we've talked about that, the corruption of that whole drive there. Well, let me talk about this pure and impure thing, because when you think something is impure or unclean, you go, it's got mud on it. It's all icky. It's gross. I, I don't like it. <laughs> (laughs) That's not what impure means in the Bible, and why are you laughing? Well, it
2: just makes me laugh. I mean, I, I hear a lot of young people sound just like that.
0: Exactly. Okay, well, let me explain to you biblically what pure and impure is. It actually are two very important words. For impure or unclean, it's the word tame, which means you are unable to approach God because of a, there is a stain on you that comes because of sin, it is a spiritual stain. And because of that, God says, you can't come near me until that stain is gone. Now, that doesn't mean God hates you. It means he hates that sin, that stain, but he wants you to come. Let me put it in these terms. When you were a kid, you loved to run around in mud puddles. I know that because you talked to me about that the other day. You just love to get those feet muddy, right? Oh, I loved it. Okay. You come into the house and what did your mom yell at you at the top of the stairs? Uh, Take your shoes off. Exactly. Take your clothes off. outside. Exactly. You stay there in the foyer until you remove those shoes. Then you can come, okay? Well, that's kind of what God treats us as his children. He goes, wait a minute. I'd like you to be close to me. I built you to be close to me. I love you to be close to me. But that stain on those, you got to get rid of that stain. And then you can come near me. And I look down on my feet and I'm going, but father, I can't take off my feet like I take off my shoes. And he goes, allow me to bleach that stain out of your feet. Then you can walk near me. See, and that's now I'm getting more toward the biblical truth. The removal of this stain is something only God can do. It's not something we can do. Now, we have a part to not get stained, and there's a part of the stain that we can eliminate from our lives. But the actual stain that separates us from God is called sin. In fact, Isaiah says this, your sins, O Israel, have separated you from me. So what God is trying to do, and this is what I really try to get out to people, his heart is to have us as close to him as possible. But he's got to deal with that stain issue. It's the stain that renders us impure or unclean and unable to approach God. He needs something that will render us pure clean, and able to approach God. So you are actually answering a question a lot
2: of Christians will say, well, I can't keep the law. I can't do anything about the stain.
0: And that's true. We never will. That's why we need Jesus. Right. And now a lot of people look down on the law because they say, oh, it's got all those bloody sacrifices and blah, blah, blah. They miss the wonder of and the grace of the picture. God goes, I know you can't do this. Let me give you a process to enable you to come near to me, a process that will cover over the stain so that you can come near me, and a process that can eliminate some of the stain so you can come near me. And those were called the sacrifices. Well, that's so good, Truth
2: Barista. By the way, I have a stain at the bottom of my coffee cup because it's dried. It's been dry because I haven't had any liquid coffee in then it for Then get
0: while. thee away from me and fill up thy Wake up!
2: Truth Barista, you know, we're living in such turbulent times with this coronavirus. What advice would you have for our audience?
0: Well, the first thing, you have to not give in to fear, right? I mean, you listened to a recent Dennis Prager.
2: Yes, and he was saying some wonderful things. Don't waste this time, but contact your friends by phone or by Skype and talk to them and your family. Do things that you haven't done for years. Do things together as a family in your own home, but do something productive and don't Sit and mope and get depressed by what
0: you hear on the news. So on the negative side, don't give in to fear, right? That means we have to limit our consumption of the news consumption of social media. Now, we don't want to be uninformed. We want to be informed. But, man, talk about Debbie Downers and stay away from the people who are being uber sensational right. about this and just stoking the fires. We don't need this. It is what it is, okay? It's it's like a pandemic, like a flu-type pandemic, although it has different characteristics. But, and this is the point I'd like to make, too, is admittedly, and apparently, this has a high infection rate. So if we lower the possibility of infection, will have a lower potential for spread and that will lower the severe number of cases and even deaths and lower the strain on the hospitals so that they can keep pace and give proper care for those who need it. So, really, the positive thing is this is a great opportunity, like you said, to stay at home, stay in the neighborhood. I've seen a lot of people walking their dogs, hanging out with their kids, gardening already, doing some fantastic things. And you know what's the most important thing for us? You gotta stay in the coffee and you gotta stay in the Word. What a great combination.
2: Thanks for that encouragement,
0: Truth Barista. And don't forget to listen to the past episodes of The Truth Barista. Great thought!
2: Art thou full now? It's amazing you have so many
0: talents, Truth Barista. Well, you know, it's that caffeine that kicks in in the morning, you know. Anyway, so let's get back. We're talking about we need something to draw us near to God to remove that stain and render us pure. Well, those were called the sacrifices. In fact, the name for the sacrifices in Leviticus were called Korban. Sometimes it's spelled Q-O-R-B-A-N. So korban basically means to draw near or to come near or to enter into. The sacrifices paid the price. In fact, let me put it this way. God says the price for sin that causes that stain is death because you disobeyed me. That's what stained you. You're a marked person. So God says, but I love you and I want you close to me. So how do I deal with this? I will allow something else to give its life so that you don't have to give your life. And when it gives its life, I will credit to you as if it were your life given. I will credit to you as if it has removed that stain, has removed the separation. Now you may come close to me. Do you get it? I do get it. I have a question,
2: however. Okay. Because even though what you're telling me is true, because the Bible teaches it, but in my mind, I think there are a lot of Christians sitting in churches or listening on the radio or on the internet to us, and they're saying, Well, I know this in my mind, but I'm not different, I'm not changed. Okay. So does it take a spiritual commitment in the heart? Maybe we call it being born again so that this thing is really intertwined within my being, both head and
0: heart. Is that? You're on track because the sacrifices could never do the complete cleaning job because an animal or whatever is, is offered is not the same as a human being. It has to be an equivalent sacrifice. This is why God says, for now, we'll go with these animal sacrifices and this stuff, but there's coming a day when a perfect human for human sacrifice will come. A man who will surrender his life for your life, and I will say, this one does the job for you. This same one does the job for somebody else. This is the uniqueness of Jesus. He is the one who gave his life so that we might live. And because he was a human-to-human sacrifice, because he was God's son, it not only covers the stain, it actually erases the stain and it purifies us, enabling us to draw close to God. Under the old system, when you read the Old Testament, people died, but they didn't go to be with God. They went to Sheol down in the earth. But now in the New Testament, it says under Jesus' death, now when we die away from the body, At home with the Lord. Why? Because Jesus' sacrifice is enough to open that separation, that final separation at death between people and God. Once Jesus died, the way is open to God, and there we go. Well, you've explained it very well
2: theologically. It makes sense. It comes right out of the scripture. However, as a human being I have problems in adjusting my new mind and my new heart to the world around me, which is full of lust and the pride of life. Well,
0: how do I do this? Okay, great question. We started talking about the sex drive, and the reason I focus on that is because it is powerful, and the corruption of that sex drive has led to a sex-saturated society that we live in. It's you know everywhere you go, every channel you surf, every place on the internet you click has you know all sorts of grunge on it, but you're right. It is a type for me of all of the other sins, all sin stains, all sin separates. But the drive for sex is so heavy duty. It's like, well, how do we deal with that? Because if I can deal with the big gun, so to speak, then this little stuff or lesser stuff I can handle better. So I'll go back to my verse. How does a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. So I actually listed those things. First of all, the heart issue. This is what's so important. When you go to Ezekiel 36, God says to Israel, you know what your big problem is? The big problem is your heart. It's your heart that leads you away from me. If we fix the heart issue, then you won't sin and you won't be separated from me. So... There's coming a day, God said to Israel, when I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit within you. I'll remove your heart of stone. See, that's the unrepentant, unresponsive heart. I'll give you a heart of flesh, responsive, okay? I'll place my spirit within you, And I will cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. In other words, God is saying, I'm going to make a radical change in you. I'm going to give you a heart that wants to follow my boundaries. And by keeping within my boundaries, there's no stain. There's no separation. Okay, we call that the new covenant. Jeremiah has similar language, and he calls it the new covenant. Jesus says, this is the new covenant in my blood. His blood is the sacrifice that seals the new covenant. And it's his sacrifice that opens the door for the Holy Spirit to do that heart transplant, the spirit transplant. He comes to live with us through his spirit. And then that spirit helps us to keep within the boundaries. Well, I understand his part, and
2: very well done, by the way, Truth Barista. It makes a lot of sense. Well, thank you. But what do I do? Do I have a part in any of this? Yes. And what is that, being locked up for 40
0: years until... (laughs) Well, in your case, that might be what we (laughs) need to do. No, but you're absolutely right, because as you go through the scriptures, once that core issue, and that's really what it is, a core issue, once that's been taken care of, now what Paul says... Don't do it the old way. Don't follow your old life. Live like what you are now, a new man. Take off the old flesh. Put on Christ. In other words, stop acting like you used to. Start acting his way. Why? Because now you can. So there are things in your life. Listen to this. Nothing that goes into a person from the outside can defile him because Jesus was being accused of letting his disciples eat with unwashed hands, and that was making them impure. And Jesus is going, that's nuts. That's nuts. Washing hands is not a big deal, unless you're in a pandemic, okay? But he's basically saying, that doesn't defile you. That doesn't render you spiritually unclean. He says, let me tell you what renders you spiritually unclean. For from within, out of people's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, greed evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a person. Those are the things that make us impure. So what's our part? When these things begin to come up within us, we need to reject those desires. So Jesus said, if you hate somebody that's akin to murder, Okay, if I find myself hating a person, our job, once the Holy Spirit points it out, is to start praying for the person. Stop hating them and start loving them. And from within, the actions follow the inward thoughts. You got it? That's your job. I got it. Okay, well, that brings us to the next issue. Not only does the heart and the spirit have to be changed, the mind has to be changed. That's really where the battleground is, right? Because, hey... Old habits are hard to break. Old thoughts are hard to get rid of.
2: So, in other words, if I'm trying to walk this life that God has provided for me, I don't deliberately go out of my way to go and see things or experience things that are not in His plan for my life, right? Well, as, as many preachers said, garbage in, garbage out. Well, there's so much in temptation with our media today. I mean, whether it's social media or internet, in movies in general, truth barista, I mean, it just is everywhere. So I just have to close my
0: eyes. And it's not just the sexual temptation area. It's the area of, you know, social media. I have to get off social media sometimes because there's a lot of people on there just whining and complaining and angry outbursts and all sorts of stuff that just makes me angry inside. And I've got to just relax that and say, you know, I I can't feed myself that. If I'm going to pray for my leaders, if I'm going to pray for people I disagree with, I have got to get away from, I got to get out of the hate boat. And that's really what the mental thing is all about. Paul says, don't be conformed to this age. See, this age hates your opponent. The age to come, you will love your enemy, as if there were going to be any enemies in your age to come. But still... This is the point. Don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. This is what's interesting. He says, don't be conformed to this age. Bring the age to come into the age now by the renewing and the transforming of how you think. Oh, I love that. I mean, that
2: is so good. I mean, sometimes when I have a bad thought, I, I try to think it through and say, How would Jesus respond to this? So it is bringing his words to mind and as well as what you're saying, bringing the future into today.
0: And that brings us back to the verse. How does a young man keep his way pure? More than just the sex drive, but everything. How does a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to his word? So when we learn his word, the first place his word goes is into our mind to process it. It goes into our heart to fuel the desire in our heart to follow God's way. But next it influences the will see once we become saved life is a matter it's a battle of wills with god whose will be done my will or god's will jesus says this in john six thirty eight. for i have come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me let me put it this way what was god's will for his son that his son would die for us so that the stain would be taken away and that we could come near to God. That was his mission. But what about obeying his father's will, even if it meant extreme pain and agony? Well, Jesus said it in the garden. Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And let's face it, denying our natural desires can get kind of irritating and annoying and even agonizing at times. Well, because they're always present. They're always present. It's a part of us. They're great things. We just have to resist doing it the way we want to do it and that gets to be a problem and there's always
2: forgiveness or repentance if we end up falling or falling prey to some of those
0: emotions right that that's part of the ongoing purpose of jesus sacrifice it's the well if we happen to step in the mud puddle yeah jesus is like the hose that cleans our feet off before we walk in the house i'm not downplaying that at all i'm just making an illustration there but i like this We have to, by the force of our will, follow God's words in our minds that is motivating our heart. In other words, we need to take this seriously, and I don't think enough Christians do take this seriously in our very permissive church age. Paul says, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people, and then he has an additional list of sins on this, will inherit God's kingdom. So here is really a core check for every Christian. If you call yourself a born-again believer, we need to act like it. If we are not acting like it, maybe we're not a born-again believer. Or if we're a born-again believer, but we're acting in a way that shows we're not born again, then we are, in a sense, in peril. Because these immoral people... And immoral is more than just sex. Immoral means not doing things according to God's standard of right and wrong. Run the risk of not inheriting God's kingdom. So we need to deny ourselves when it falls out of line with God's will. You know, we've got to, let's go back to this. We've got a sex drive within the boundaries of marriage. God says, yeah, go for it. That's what it was built for, for children and for pleasure and intimacy between the husband and wife and really strengthening that bond and go knock yourselves out, kids. Have a great time. You know, that kind of a thing. But outside of God's boundaries, he's going, no, that's sin. That's immoral. You need to deny yourself. Now, to deny really means to forget oneself. And by the way, the root of the word disciple is discipline. A disciple stays within the boundaries of his master's teachings and in doing so begins to reflect his master. (laughs) See how that works? Okay. Now, the next thing is, not just the heart, not just the mind, but we have to deal with the eyes issue, okay? (laughs) Okay, amazing, Larry. We We live uh, down by the university, do we not? Yes, the uh, Big Big Brain Brain University. University. Yep, Uh, home of the fighting neurons. Go, Sparky! Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Can you sing their fighting song? (laughs) (laughs) Not without breaking glass. Okay, although I should someday. That would be fun. Anyway, truth be told, there are a lot of gorgeous women walking around campus here, and they're always coming into the shop. Right? Never, I've never noticed. I don't... I, I. <laughs> Liar. Repent. I can see through you. Anyway, yes. Okay. Admittedly, yeah, there are some very beautiful women. And every time they walk in here, I just have to take that one look and go, oh, nice work, God. And then <laughs> not take the second look or the lingering look, okay? But really, the eyes are one of men's biggest problems. And yeah, uh, the... Everybody's problem, right? I like what Job says, Job thirty one, one, and I've memorized this one. I have made a covenant with my eyes that I may not look upon a woman lustfully. Isn't that great? That's how wow. Job dealt with mm-hmm. it. He's right. going, I made a promise. I I made a contract with my eyes. You get one look and that's it you know? Mm. Okay. But listen to this, Matthew 5, 28, Jesus says the same type of thing. But I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And we're back to the heart issue. Isn't that interesting? So let's take God's word to help us control our hearts, transform our minds, subject our wills, and turn our eyes. Isn't that great? Well, one of the things I've done over the last few years, because there is so
2: much temptation in all of these things, is I get up every morning and I ask God to change me. That's And to great. show me through his word where change has to take place. Because really, otherwise in my pride of life. I think I'm just doing great, but I could be sinning all the time, like you say, with the eyes or the desire or the pride of life. So I ask God to change me. I think that's a good place to be in a humility kind
0: of way to ask God, I need your help. When I've struggled with this too, I think of it in kind of like a picture because I almost have like a constant movie running in my head here. And I think of if I say to myself, I will force myself to stay pure, or I will make God's word push me to be pure. Well, I feel like somebody's behind me pushing me, and if I don't have a heart for it, if my mind's not used to it, if my will's resistant, it's just like I'm pushing, you know, something is pushing me toward God, and I don't want to, and my heels are making ruts in the ground. But instead, I think of, well, if I'm with God, I love that feeling. That feeling of not being condemned by God because I've done something wrong, it, rather than being condemned, I like being commended. And being commended by God, it's like, I want to run toward him and say, I want to stay there. I want to be as close to you as I can possibly get. Why would I allow anything to break that communion, that relationship, that tightness, that closeness with him? So once we are close to him, it's easy to fight from the castle than being out in the middle of the battle on the battlefield trying to get back to the castle. So, it says this in the scriptures, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. See, you're saying if you want to stay close to God, do your part. We have all we need. With the great high priest Jesus. He's been the sacrifice. He's the high priest who offered himself on our behalf. He sets the conditions for purity. Now we have to simply walk that purity out by keeping our hearts, our minds, our wills, our eyes all together close to God. Once again, Truth Barista, you're the best. We're just hoping now that
2: we'll live through all of this and make our heart his place of residing, and we will find ourselves more in that area of purity. Thank you so much.
0: This is Jay, your Truth Barista. Thanks for listening to the Truth Barista podcast.